This episode might contain scenes that include violence and other sensitive details. Listener discretion is advised. Also, do hit the notification bell so you won't miss the next episode. Enjoy! Education is an essential part of our lives. It's a known fact that education is one of the best tools to eradicate poverty, hunger, and offers the opportunity for a better livelihood. This is one of the biggest reasons why parents are consistently trying to keep their children in school for as long as they can. For most people, the journey of education begins in school. A place of knowledge, growth, and understanding. A place where we make lifelong friends and forge unforgettable memories. As we get older, it's easy to forget some of the things we've learned, and recalling them can be challenging. However, some memories will never be forgotten, no matter how hard we try to erase them. In 2017, an extremely disturbing event took place at the Ryan International School in Gurugram, a city just southwest of New Delhi in northern India. This harrowing event would leave every student and staff of the school with an unshakable memory. Inside the school, loud cries and screams could be heard coming from the ground floor sending echoes up and down the hallways. Lying outside the toilet, a young boy was found motionless with his uniform bathed in blood and his throat slit. This is Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by OneUp Media. It was 7am on the 8th of September 2017. Inside the Takur household, 7-year-old Praduman Takur had already gotten out of bed and was getting ready for school. This might be the first time that he's even earlier than me. His father, Barun Takur, thought to himself as he heard his son brushing his teeth in the bathroom. Both Pradyuman and his elder sister attended the Ryan International School in Gurugram. The school was founded in 2005 by the Ryan Group, built on the philosophy of making the world a better place. The city of Gurugram is India's second-largest information technology hub and third-largest financial and banking hub. Many of India's major corporations have also chosen to plant their headquarters in this city, therefore transforming Gurugram into a thriving metropolis. The Ryan International School was an extremely popular choice among parents, as the school was considered to be among the top-ranking schools in the region. As stated on their website, Students who pass out of Ryan International School don't just become scholars, they become leaders of thought and action. Ever since the kids started schooling there, Barun would always insist on driving his children to school instead of letting them use the school bus. 
Although the reasons aren't completely clear, we guess that it was either due to safety concerns or because it was just a 10-minute car ride away. On a school day, lessons would begin at 8am sharp, so the kids would usually wake up at 7.30 to get ready. But today was different, and you could see it in Pradiman's eyes. Varun made his usual morning coffee and looked at his son. Son, what's going on today? I usually have to move heaven and earth just to get you out of bed. The young boy excitedly put on his school uniform and replied, It's my friend's birthday today, Dad. I don't want to be late. I didn't even sleep well last night. That's not true. I heard you snoring from the other room. His father jokingly said while getting dressed. Like every other morning, they left the house at 7.45am and made their way down to school. Weaving through the morning rush hour, they arrived at the school's gate exactly 10 minutes later at 7.55am. Barun waited outside as the kids made their way through the gate. He would often wait for them to enter the building before he left, just to make sure that they were safe. At 8.05am, he arrived back home. As he removed his footwear at the door, he could see his wife, Sushma, in the kitchen preparing their meal. This was when her phone rang. Varun, can you get that for me? My hands are wet, Sushma said. Hello? Varun speaking. Hey listeners, as we continue to revive more Asian true crime stories, we hope you continue to support the show by giving us a 5-star rating on Spotify. The call was from the school's general office, asking the parents of seven-year-old Pradiman to get in touch with a Madame Anju, insisting that the matter was of dire urgency. Something wasn't right. You could see it on Barun's face. Throughout the conversation with Madame Anju, the only information given to him was that his son Pradiman was found lying outside the bathroom, bleeding profusely. Madame Anju assured him that everything is being taken care of. His son is being ferried to a hospital in Bashapur as they speak, and he should meet them there directly. Anxious and visibly worried, both parents locked the house and left immediately. I told him so many times not to be so mischievous. Look what's happened now. Barun said under his breath as the couple got on the vehicle and headed towards the hospital. Hello? How is my son now? What's the situation? The school called again, notifying them that Pradiman was now being transported to Artemis Hospital and they should reroute and head there instead. For context, Artemis Hospital was much larger and equipped with better facilities. But this wasn't exactly good news to them. 
At this point, they started to become really worried. In a documentary about the case, Barun is quoted saying, That's when I felt something was wrong. I didn't say anything to my wife. I wondered what was so serious that instead of treating him in Bachapur, they took him to a bigger hospital like Artemis. He stepped on the gas and sped to the hospital. The CCTV footage taken from Artemis Hospital was fuzzy, but clear enough to make out what was happening. It showed that at exactly 8.38am sharp, a gurney with a child's body was being wheeled through the emergency entrance. Minutes later, Barun and Sushma arrived, but were startled to see four to five school teachers frantically pacing about in the hospital waiting area. Nurses ushered them into the room where Pradaman was. But right as they were about to enter, a doctor came up to Barun and softly told him, I really think your wife should wait outside. The following statement is Barun's initial response after seeing his son in the hospital. When I went inside the emergency room, Pradaman was lying on the bed. The right side of his neck was entirely bandaged. His shirt buttons were open and his entire body was soaked in blood. I cannot explain what I saw over there. If it was someone else's child, I wouldn't have found the courage to look at the body. They removed the bandage and showed me the wound on his neck. Actually, it was not a wound. It was a deep cut. They said that he was brought dead to the hospital. Back at Ryan International, word of the morning's shocking events immediately spread, resulting in large crowds of people gathered outside the school gates. Most of them were parents of students demanding the school to release their children from class. Words like murder were loosely thrown around, sending the state of panic even higher. To make matters worse, videos and photographs where seven-year-old Pradaman was found started circulating on WhatsApp. We looked at the images, and safe to say, nothing could prepare us for what we were about to see. At the entrance of the toilet, a massive pool of blood was seen on the floor. The walls outside had also been stained red, and it was more disturbing because you could clearly see the outline of a child's hand slowly descending to the ground. Additionally, a long trail of blood was seen extended from the toilet's entrance to the last cubicle. But as we followed the trail, it was what was seen inside that was particularly disturbing. Crimson red blood had been splattered on the floor and all over the squatting area. Inside the hole was a knife. On the 8th of September 2017, news channels in Gurugram and neighbouring states all shared the same headline. A seven-year-old boy was found murdered with his throat slit 
inside the washroom of Ryan International School in Gurugram. The local police arrived and immediately began their investigations. They had also tried to surround the area, but were massively outnumbered by the sheer amount of people that had gathered. As a result, people started to enter the crime scene as if nothing had happened. A member of the Gurugram police was allegedly asked by a reporter if she could enter the crime scene, to which she replied, Yes, why not? Everyone is going in. You can also go. According to other witnesses that were present, there were no proper barricades around the crime scene. Nobody was stopped from entering. As a result, people were trampling all over the blood tracks. The evidence had become obscured due to the extra bloodied footprints that were left behind. But what was probably most alarming was that some of the blood on the floor had been wiped off with a mop. Someone had tried to clean the blood off the floor. Not only was this act a clear breach of security, the attempt was futile as it had only smeared the blood further. If you're not too sure why this is a bad thing, the absolute most important aspect of evidence collection is protecting the crime scene from contamination. In other words, the quality of the evidence is extremely important to catch the culprit responsible. In this case, everything had gone wrong. From the videos and images of the crime scene, it was evident that seven-year-old Pradaman did not die inside the toilet. After his neck had been cut by the blade, the boy had struggled to find his way out of the toilet. It's clear that he tried to crawl out as you could see his handprints on the floor and on the wall. It was an extremely heartbreaking scene. Outside the school gates and inside the general office, everyone was asking the same question. Who killed seven-year-old Pradaman? Everyone knew that the toilet which he was found in was solely intended for young children. So who could have entered the toilet and committed such a crime? Parents started to grow more impatient and violent as they were met with dismal replies from the police. The commotion reached a breaking point as they started smashing glass cabinets and throwing flower pots at the police. In unison, they yelled out phrases like shame on Ryan school, shame on girl ground police, and shame on Ryan's principal. Things quickly got out of hand with further chaos occurring in the general office and even threats to set the school on fire if the police did not offer any explanations about the case. In a last-ditch effort to take control of the situation, the Guru Ground Police decided to cordon off the entire building and called on the help of the riot police to drive out the crowds. Within hours, the death of seven-year-old Pradaman quickly became a national topic. It seemed as if every parent in India demanded their explanation for the murder. On multiple news outlets and all over social media, parents of students at Ryan International were quoted saying, If such an incident can take place, how can the school assure us that our children will be safe? Pradaman will never come back. Authorities should be behind bars. We send our children to school to study not to get their throats slit.
It was 12:30 in the afternoon. Pradaman's parents had arrived at the mortuary, ready for pathologists to conduct a postmortem. Tensions between the police and the public had reached an all-time high, and again, crowds of rioters had assembled outside the mortuary. Dr. Deepak Mathur, a forensic specialist at Gurugram Civil Hospital, had this to say: "I first saw the body when it arrived in the ambulance. The wound was quite obvious. The neck was lying split open. It was a very gruesome sight to see. There were two injuries. One was running across his neck, about 12 centimeters long. The second injury was a deep one, extending from the front of the neck." Going obliquely upwards and behind the ear. From police case files, there's a photo taken of Pradaman's injuries during the postmortem examination. It's graphic, but also heartbreaking, seeing the aftermath of the gruesome murder of a young child. Shortly after, Madam Nirja Batra, Rhine International's interim principal, and Madam Anju Dudeja, Pradaman's form teacher, were bombarded by a barrage of questions from the media. They were relentless with their questions, leaving Madam Anju clearly distressed and in tears. She is quoted saying, "I've never felt so helpless in my life. Why are you doing this to me? Leave it. Please leave it." Back at the mortuary, the postmortem was completed, and Pradaman's body was ready to be collected by the parents. The public, however, was so incensed that they begged Barun and Sushma not to retrieve the body until the police have apprehended the offender. More than 250 people gathered outside the mortuary, stormed the police commissioner's office, and demanded that the perpetrator be found at once. They've made it clear that until the culprit is found. They would not put an end to the protests. It was 6 p.m. now, close to nine hours after the murder. At last, a breakthrough. The Gurugram police announced that they have identified and arrested the person behind the murder of seven-year-old Pradaman. At a last-minute criminal presentation, two police officers were seen standing side by side with a man. The man they had arrested was the school's bus conductor, a 42-year-old man named Ashok Kumar. According to police reports at the time, Ashok had noticed Pradaman in the cubicle and made an attempt to sexually assault him. Pradaman resisted, and he eventually gave up. Ashok then thought that if he had let him get away, the boy would expose him. So he decided to end his life. The very next day, during a press conference, police actually allowed the media to interrogate Ashok and even pose questions to him face to face. After cameras started rolling. Ashok confessed to the crime again and again. When asked if he did it, he said yes. When asked why, he replied, "I don't know. I just lost my mind." 
when asked if he regretted killing an innocent child, he looked down to the ground with a blank expression on his face. Interestingly, the press conference lasted much longer than expected. Reporters took their time to ask all the questions they had, but Ashok always had the same response. It was either, yes, I did it, or I lost my mind. Soon, things started to look fishy. It's a known fact that the police rarely allows for the media to speak with an accused criminal. But in this case, they were presenting it to them, saying unusual things like, he is the one who has done it, speak to him. But Pradaman's father, Barun Thakur, did not buy it. In the next episode, we'll find out if the bus conductor Ashok was the man behind the murder of Pradaman, or was this all just a hasty attempt by the local police to put an end to the public outcry? Spoiler alert, it wasn't him. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by 1UP Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, head on down to our website at asiantruecrimepodcast.com. This episode was researched, produced, and written by Yo Guang Jin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toh from Media Corp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous. Hey